I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and we are back once again for your post-Thursday night football, pre-Sunday night slate podcast. As always, we're here to cut through the news and let you know what's actually relevant and help you with those tricky start-sit decisions. You know, I'm just not really capable of covering all this by myself. It's way too much content, and I admit that I cannot handle it alone. So with that, we have brought back at that FF nerd, the one and only Jason Draven. And Jason, it's great to have you back. I was really worried about you for a while. I thought you were going to turn into a zombie. You were up for like 87 hours straight to prep for week one. How are you heading into week two? I am somehow alive. We're doing great. Just kind of trucking as much as we can. That's good. (laughs) But again, more exciting. I really like having football back. It makes my life even more worth it every day. So got to keep it up. It really is exciting. It's such a great week one and the start of week two fantastic as well but we'll get to that in a minute but as anyone who's listened to the show in the past you guys all know jason can be a lot to handle it's really hard to keep hey, him hey, in hey, line hey. that's true it's, it's true I'm, I'm sorry but like the boss has agreed we all know it's true so i'm sorry <sighs> but because of that we it's, i can't do it myself i really can't and so i had to bring in some reinforcements he's gonna back me up so we'll see how this goes, and I really hope that the nerd doesn't corrupt this young man because he's a brilliant mind in the fantasy football industry. It is at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. Jordan, say hello and introduce yourself to all of your new fans. How's it going, everybody? I'm glad to be here. Uh, Jack, great job at saying that because usually uh, I even screw it up and I'll mix up my Twitter handle and my actual name. So kudos to you. Um, yeah, I'm ready to, to speak some fantasy football with the, the nonsense crew and Ready to get it going. Let's have a great, let's have a great show, guys. Oh, what can I say? I am pretty talented. And Jordan, just to recap, uh, tell everyone what you do on the site and what you write about. So I am part of the the rankings crew. We uh, the rankings for the weeks each week uh, of the season, and I also write articles for the redraft team. Uh, you can read my articles every Tuesday morning. They'll be up there uh, bright and early, uh, depending on when you wake up. I wake up around ten every day, so they're always up when I'm up. <laughs> that 10 o'clock start time to the day. I absolutely love that. So be sure to follow both Jordan and Jason on both of their socials and check out all the work that they're putting out over on importantnonsense.com and Nonsense FF on Twitter, Instagram, Fantasy Life app, all those social media. So with that, it's time to steer this ship right into Thursday Night Football and the battle for Ohio. So the Browns beat the Bengals 35 to 30, which means we're going to start with the Browns. And of course, we cannot talk Cleveland football with without acknowledging that Baker Mayfield is back. 69.6 completion percent, absolutely nice. The only time he topped that in 2019 was in week 14 against the Cardinals. So this might have been his best game in over a year. Jason, what do you think about Baker? Is he back? Oh man, I was super pumped. I thought he looked really great. He looked comfortable. He had a super efficient day, 23 passing attempts, 16 receptions, 219 yards, and a touchdown. He could have had a lot more, but let me tell you, man, with Chubb and Hunt back in that backfield, it is a scary tandem. Beckham again led the team in targets with six targets and four receptions and 74 yards and touchdown. Great to see. I am sad it wasn't over the 100-yard mark and a two TDs, 
But, you know, that jersey pull just was so clear to everybody else. Wish the refs had a little better eyes there. Oh, you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys that complain about the call after. Just kidding. I, I am that guy as well. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, vintage Odell performance, which begs the question, is there enough room for both Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry? Jordan, what do you think? What's going on in Cleveland? Well, I think the room is probably the size of a shoebox, but I think there's just enough room for both of them to wedge their way in. Uh, it doesn't seem like they found a third option. I was hoping it would be Austin Hooper this year, but that hasn't materialized yet. You know, that, that could change as the year progresses. Or you could count the tandem of Chubb and Hunt because I know that they kind of have a, their own slice of the passing game. You know, when the Browns hired Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, you kind of figured they're going to be a, a run-first offense, you know, with the talent they have at running back. So I think that kind of, you know, discounts your Odell and your Jarvis Landry just because they're probably not going to get as many targets. We'll see. Like, I know they were down big against the Ravens, but even that, like, you know, Odell and Jarvis Landry had really disappointing days. So I guess we'll see. But, yeah, as for a third option, nobody's really stepped up yet. Uh, Kaderil Hodge isn't really anybody that you should be even considering picking up. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, – maybe Harrison Bryant yeah. uh, will show up. We'll see. Well, really, I am still hoping Austin Hooper's going to show up. You kind of beat me to that punch. Like, where was he? Ended up second on the team in targets with four, which, yeah, it's fine. But caught just two for with, for 22 yards and had a drop. So I, I'm really not loving what I'm seeing early from Austin Hooper. Thanks for reminding me of that, Jordan. I, I thought we were going to start this show nice and positive. But anyways, yeah, don't love what I'm seeing from Austin Hooper. And that is the only reason why these two might be able to coexist. If there is a third mouth to feed, then we'll start to worry. But for now, it is it might might be looking good. Jason, what do you think? Oh, I think there's plenty of room just because I don't think Hooper shows up. And so it's going to be Landry getting all this. I know. I can't help it, man. Everybody else wants Hooper to be a thing. They had Njoku there, and that didn't work out. And now they added Hooper, and it's just a hot mess. So Landry's your guy. He's great on possessions, and he knows what to do with his body. I got to love him. Yeah, it will be interesting to see going forward. And real, realistically, we still don't know what the Browns are. We've seen a blowout loss, and we saw a game where they led for pretty much the whole thing. So it will be interesting to see how shit, things shake out going forward. But in the meantime, Nick Chubb outsnapped Kareem Hunt 36-20, outcarried him 22-10, to and ran 12 routes to Hunt's 8. So he better in every uh, facet of the game in terms of usage. He was targeted once, Hunt was targeted twice, but really both backs super relevant. Chubb's 26.3 PPR points would have made him the RB5 last week, and Kareem Hunt, 24.1, not bad either, would have made him the RB8. So can we start both of these backs with confidence going forward? Yeah, I really think that it's going to be both. It's really going to be de dependent on what the game script is. I mean, you saw this week Chubb got... 22 carries for most of the night, 124 yards, two touchdowns, one reception for nine yards, all great numbers. But towards the end of the game, Hunt had a great last drive, 10 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. He also had two receptions for 15 yards and a TD. So it can really be both. And I hate to say this and be on brand with everybody else, but it could be Ingram and Kamara all over again. And that makes it very terrifying because this team, I feel like, is going to be trailing a lot. I just want to add before we move on, though, uh, like, yeah, I think Chubb's a must start, especially we kind of gained the confidence back uh, last night watching that game. Cream Hunt, I don't know if it was more so they were in positive game script and they decided just to switch it up a bit. Hunt for me is kind of iffy. I think you can get away with him as a flex, but you know what? A lot of people drafted him higher to be their RB2. So at that point, you kind of don't have a choice. 
but it's not the worst play you could have. And you know what? It is so cliche when we always go back to this, oh, they're Ingram and Kamara. It's the new Ingram and Kamara. But realistically, yeah, it kind of is. It is a bit of thunder and lightning. Kareem Hunt's more of the receiving back. Chubb is just the absolute thunder, hammering out it up the middle. So, yeah, I am really excited about what we're seeing from Cleveland. But I'm also very excited about what we're seeing in Cincinnati. Joe Exotic, the Bengal King. Joe Burrow dropped 24.54 fantasy points against the against the Browns last week. Would have had him QB8 last week ahead of Mitchell Trubisky, which was a fluke. We're not going to talk about that. But, boys, what do we think about Joe Burrow? I was actually really impressed with him. I thought he took care of the ball. He fit in into tight windows at times and just has a hell of an arm. Sorry for my language, but that was just super impressive. I think yeah. hell's okay, Jason. Okay, well, just putting it out there, it's something I'm worried about. He only had 37 completions on 61 attempts for 316 yards. Like, maybe it's a big mistake trusting Green because, oh, targeted most on the team, 13 targets with only three receptions for 29 yards. What is going on? Yeah, as somebody who had A.J. Green last night, I was very disappointed by that. The 13 targets was nice, but then when you see what he was able to to actually haul in, it's it's upsetting. But Burrow, what what a stud. You know, he made a couple of rookie mistakes that Richardson sacked uh, at the beginning of the game when he tried to shimmy past them. You know, Richardson's better than that. He's not some, you know, low-end SEC uh, lineman. So, and then he also had that timeout that didn't get called and led to the bat snap. Other than that, he he looked like the Heisman-winning quarterback that the Bengals tanked for. And plus, he covered uh, the Bengals spread with his garbage time TV, so he's definitely in my good graces. Yeah, big things are coming from Joe Burrow. Big things are coming from A.J. Green. Burrow clearly loves him. And, you know, so, yeah, he didn't have the connection there. But once that actually happens and they are able to hook up on those, it's going to be scary. Over 200 air yards on the game. Very exciting. So Tyler Boyd caught 7 of 8, 71 yards in a score. Super solid day. And Drew Sample, though, becomes the top waiver tight end. So podcast favorite C.J. Uzama tore his Achilles. Very sorry to hear that. Thoughts are with him. Caught four of six for 42 in a score before that. And after he went down, Sample caught seven of eight for 45. So this tight end position in the Bengals offense has plenty of room for production. And now that's all going to Drew Sample. Jordan, like, so yeah, big on Sample. Any final thoughts on him or the rest of the passing offense in Cincinnati? Well, the one main question that I had, and I feel like everybody else had, like I don't know what else you'd be thinking about, is Auden Tate dead? He was a healthy scratch, um, and they seem to like the the guy who many like to call Michael Thomas playing in Ohio State instead. You got a late touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, the thing is T. Higgins looked pretty good. He had a, he had that uh, – I think he left the game for a little bit, but he came back. And then you have Boyd. I know we're all mixed on Boyd. And then Green's getting 13 targets. So, you know, they gave Burrow a lot of weapons to use. If Drew Sample can also uh, remain steady, I think that Burrow and that offense can be pretty good. And Mixon as well. Like, you know, they really did a good job at, uh, you know, keeping weapons intact for Burrow. Yeah. And I mean, even looking at that, you have him behind green, in my opinion. And I think that he can easily slide into that role, but he needs to learn from green when he's there. Like that's one area that he could really improve is taking some notes from a veteran and getting a better player, but just my two cents. Yeah, it was really disappointing to see, and it sure does look like Mike Thomas is the fifth receiver instead. So one final thought from the game, and then we're going to move on. Should Joe Mixon GMs be worried? So Mixon had 46 snaps, which was just four more than Gio Bernard. And so granted, 16 carries, Gio only had one, 
But Gio ran 31 routes. That was two more than Mixon. So Mixon's off to a slow start. And are we pressing the panic button yet, Jason? I'm not. I mean, trust me, it, since this was a bad week, I'm going to wait for a player to go off and trade for Mixon because it's going to be easy. He had 16 attempts. Great. 46 yards. Not too bad, but could be better. But it was against another tough Rundy. So adding on to that, four receptions for 40 yards. It I, The thing that drives me crazy is I have no idea why Gio Bernard is still on the team. It's just Bengals going to Bengal. They, they really do value those veterans and those locker room presences. And if you've seen that mustache, I can absolutely understand why. Fantastic. So that's going to do it from the Thursday night game. Thank you for tuning in for that. Looking forward to next week. I think it's the Dolphins and the Jets, Jags. maybe. Jag- oh, Dolphins, Jags, right. Oh. Jags. Tune in next Friday for that recap. Woo! Anyways, moving on to the news. We have nothing in quarterback this week. Quarterbacks are great. Love to hear that. Moving on to running back, though. Miles Sanders practiced in full all week. You love to see it. Devontae Freeman visiting the team Friday, but it kind of sounds like it's more of a, this is just in case Sanders gets hurt again. So I understand why they're apprehensive about Sander, but he's full go for this Sunday. And I think, I think Freeman is just an insurance policy. I don't think they're going to sign him. I think it's just a meeting. So yeah, wheels are up on Miles Sanders. Let's go. And we all assume that Freeman was going to end up there because of all the injury history with Sanders and Scott. It has to be a bigger back. And so, again, great insurance policy. Well, how about you? What do you think, Jordan? Well, I agree. That's where I thought Freeman was going because I know that they were looking at signing Hyde, Carlos Hyde, a few months ago before Seattle did. There was rumors that Fournette might go there. But if he does sign, my question is, does he remove Boston Scott from the equation at least a little bit? He's going to take touches away from both of them in a sense. Uh, I'm hoping he's he's just an insurance policy because I've got stock in Miles Sanders this year. Uh, but yeah, we'll, I guess we'll see. We'll wait. Oh yeah, we'll wait to see if he's signed before we start uh, freaking out about this. Exactly. Something to keep a note, an eye on. However, for now, it's it's nothing. Another thing that appears to be nothing. Josh Jacobs popped up on the injury report with an ankle, but he practiced in full all week. Didn't miss a rep. Should be full go. Don't worry. You just had to know it, but don't worry about it. Josh Jacobs. Let's go. Right, Jason? Yeah, you mean the RB1 from last week? The guy who played Ooh. last year with an injured shoulder? Yeah, Broken I can shoulder. The, yeah, Broken it counts. shoulder, not injured. Okay, whatever. The dude's a monster. You can't mess with the man. He remains yep. on a mission and will be a top five RB by the end of the year. Let's count it. Yep. Also, I learned uh, during this game that uh, Devontae Bucker isn't dead. Who knew? <laughs> he had more touches than backup Jalen Richard, who everybody thought was the real handcuff, but... Does this mean Booker's the real handcuff behind Jacobs, or is this just an anomaly? Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I not really. Think... When you have Josh Jacobs, it really doesn't. Yeah, I, I really don't think either are relevant. I don't think that's a true handcuff, and I think both are going to be a wash. So let's not handcuff with bad players, okay? Let, let's just avoid that completely. Anyways, James Conner did not practice Wednesday. Ankle injury, we saw him leave the game with on on Monday. But on Thursday, he goes a full go. Friday, removed from the injury report. So it, we can expect James Conner to start this game again. But here's a reminder. James Conner's not that good. He's just a guy. Benny Snell was also just a guy coming out of Kentucky. I don't give you that. But now he's lost 12 pounds. He's impressed his coaches. And he was the only running back in the NFL to rip off two runs of 20-plus yards in week one. No other running back did that. Not one. So you know what? You know who else was a guy after just a guy after his rookie season? It was Le'Veon Bell. 
Guy lost 10 to 15 pounds, and suddenly he was great. It looks like Mike Tomlin thinks Benny Snell is the new Le'Veon Bell. You better have put the number one waiver claim in on Snell. Yeah, you love Snell's game one, but again, just one of those things that if they're both playing, I struggle to play either of them this week, and it's just because you don't know who's going to get what touches. I thought Snell looked a lot better last week than Connor, even when they were both playing. So for my two cents, if you have to pick one, it's going to be Snell for me this week. Yes, let's go. Anyway, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, he's on IR with a hamstring injury, and we were fading him all offseason anyways. We do hope that he heals up quickly, but we're fading him because of Adam Gase. And it was a committee before Bell went down with with Gore mixing in, and that offense was terrible. And we, so those were all reasons we were fading him. We're not taking victory laps over the injury. Don't be that guy. But he's going to miss three games, and still, this backfield is even messier. Like Frank Gore's a starter now, but Kalen Balazs was just signed and he's terrible. And LaMichael Pirine, he's kind of mixing in with limited sessions with the ankle injury. So, yeah, I, I any thoughts on this Jets backfield, Jordan? Oh, I think signing Kalen Balazs just says it all. I don't think I need to add anything more. Just avo- completely avoid this backfield. Don't don't kid yourself. You know, don't uh, get fooled by the opportunity play because one of them's a starter. I know Frank Gore playing the, with uh, against a team that. He was drafted by, played forever with. Maybe he'll have some encouragement. I don't really, I don't really see that. And I think the revenge game for Frank Gore on a terrible, terrible team. No, thank you. Philip Lindsay went looking for a second opinion on his turf toe injury. He's now being ruled out for week two, so he's going to miss the game. And I've got a question for you again, Jordan. Is Melvin Gordon the bell cow? Of course, he's the bell cow. I mean, they signed him to not a great contract. I think he went to Denver just so he could play the Chargers twice. But, yeah, it's his backfield to lose. I just want to, uh, you know, toot the horn for my my beloved Royce Freeman, hashtag free Royce Freeman man, that I'm starting. That's why I sent it to you. I, th- I, thought, I thought you were going to say it's, a, it's still a committee. Royce Freeman, it's a committee. I am a Royce Freeman truther. Don't get it wrong, but I'm also realistic, and I'm not going to fool anybody and say play him because it's not true. I just hope he gets an opportunity to shine while Lindsay's out because I've always been a fan of Royce Freeman. I think that Philip Lindsay outplayed him in the rookie season and they went with Lindsay. Nothing against Philip Lindsay. That's just how it is. But I just hope my boy Royce Freeman gets a few touches here and there. Maybe vultures a touchdown from Gordon. We'll see. But to answer your question, yes, this is Melvin Gordon's backfield and it will be his backfield probably for the rest of the year, depending on what they do with Lindsay. Oh, fine. Be boring then. Justin Jackson is doubtful with a quad injury. So, If we're freeing Royce Freeman, we got to free Josh Kelly, but we already know that's going to happen. Duke Johnson, also questionable with an ankle injury after practicing on a limited basis all week. So what does that mean, Jordan? I got five words for you. David Johnson to the moon. Oh, God, not again. Set it and forget it. David Johnson to the moon. Tattoo that on my lower back. Oh, gosh. No, no, no. We're not going there. To the moon, Jason. To the moon. All right. That's going to do it from uh, from us for the running backs. And before we move on to the receivers, because that, that was a lot to handle. I, Jordan's getting a lower back tattoo. I, I don't know what's going on in this podcast. So, Steve, come save us. Come be the voice of reason. Take it away. And we're back. So we have breaking news in the wide receiver community. Not only did Cooper Cup get paid, but now we also get a contract extension for his teammate, Mr. Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. Signed a four-year, $65 million deal. We're $32 million guaranteed. So you love to see that. Always happy when these guys get paid. But it means he's stuck with Jared Goff. Woof. 
don't love that. Yeah, too hard not to, man. He, I'm, I don't know where they're going to keep finding more money, but it seems to be everybody's getting paid there. So, whew, happy for the guy. They paid five billion dollars for that stadium, so I think Kroenke, uh not sure to change. At least I don't think so. There's always money in the banana stand. You just have to remember that. Great. So we're, we're going to go to the wide receiver rumor mill now. Allen Robinson has removed all mention of the Chicago Bears from his social media. His teammates spent all day tweeting hashtag PayAR. But when asked about it, Robinson said he wants the new contract, but he really just wants to focus on football. He wants to be in Chicago, and I don't think they're going to trade him because why would they? This is Ryan Pace's kind of last shot to prove he deserves a job. But next offseason, when they don't, if they don't extend Allen Robinson during the season, I'm not going to be surprised when he signs in New England and it's Allen Robinson and Cam Newton playing catch all day. Is Cam Newton going to be there, though? What if he goes there? You know, the whole joke is, oh, Allen Robinson's never had a quarterback. He signs New England, he has to play Jared Siddham. No. <laughs> that would just be unfortunate. Hey, no. Stop that. Anyways, the other piece of news in the receiver room, Mike Francesa says that, that the Browns are shopping Odell Beckham. But here's the thing. Frances is also the guy that spent all that time in the New York media saying Giants need to get rid of Odell, got to keep Eli, roll with him. He's a stooge. So reports from actual people in the know like Benjamin Albright say that the Browns are getting calls. They're listening, but that's because this is the NFL. Odell's sticking in Cleveland, and after his performance last night on Thursday Night Football, it, he's not going anywhere. We all know that. Any, any objections? No, and I mean, Baker loves him, so why would... On all the targets he's getting, there's no way they're shipping him out. If they are, they are insane. I love Landry, but not that much. Yeah, I got no uh, no qualms about that. I think he'll stay in Cleveland. We'll see. I think maybe down the road, if he starts to decline in his uh, his ability. He's with the team for until uh, 2024. So I, yeah, I don't, I, I really don't see them moving on from him. Yeah, it I seems agree. like a really hard contract to move, and I know they moved it once, so I can't never say never. But I think he'll stay in Cleveland. A player that is actually on the move, however, Mohamed Sanu. So the former Patriots and Falcons receiver signed with the 49ers on a one-year deal. Sanu and Shanahan worked together for that one season in 2016 when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. That season, Sanu caught 59 balls, 653 yards, four scores, 148.8 points, 15 games. But that's only 9.9 PPR points a game. That's really, really average. Wide receiver 51 on the season. Let's not get too excited about that. Now it's time to get sad. The biggest news in the injury world, Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain and is a multi-week injury. So there were reports recently that he is expecting to, or he's going to try and play. There's an outside hope. It's not going to happen with these high ankle injuries. They're a real problem. Saquon, Kamara, Tevin Coleman, Christian Kirk, all saw their efficiency torpedoed post high ankle. They all rushed back. This is a six week injury. Usually it only takes them three to come back from. And this efficiency is just sapped. Traquan Smith season instead. Yeah, I like Smith as a field stretcher, but this is definitely where Sanders makes his hay. He's going to be the guy who takes over from Michael Thomas, at least until Smith gets a little better, has more time to really show off in the offense. But even then, I wouldn't be surprised to see more targets for Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara. I mean, could even see Kamara going out wide with uh, Latavius Murray in the backfield. Something to think about would be fun. Would it? Oh, yeah. I'm pumped for it. I think they both have value this week, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I agree with what Jason just said. I uh, I am on the Manning Sanders bandwagon for sure. Uh, I'm even more on the bandwagon just because I played him over Odell Beckham, and I need to remain optimistic. I'm not usually an optimistic oh. person, but here... You know, I kind of don't have a choice. 
Yeah, I would t- definitely told you something different there. <laughs> but, yeah, like I, I was I was fading Odell this week, but not that bad. Oh, I don't know. So you know that, that Michael Thomas wide receiver one role is so tantalizing. You know, you just I I, I fell for it. I fell for the uh, the opportunity. The you, you fell hard. Live, Speaking live of another die by the opportunity. That's what I say. Speaking of another wide receiver one, Chris Godwin has been put in the concussion protocol and is doubtful for the game, unlikely to be cleared for Sunday. So I really hope you picked up Scotty Miller. Scotty Tuhati was third on the team in targets behind Godwin and OJ Howard, surprisingly, but finished second on the team in receptions with five and had 73 yards, also second on the team. Wheels up on the for- former Bowling Green star, Welker Edelman the third. Whoa, man, you totally missed out. Miller is the outside guy. So it's going to be him and Evans going down the field. And with God now, here comes your boy, Justin Watson. I'm, yeah, yeah, I, I can get behind that. Justin Watson will see an increase in opportunities. However, the target share is going to be more spread out. It's going to be less consolidated on Chris Godwin because he's not there. So Scotty Miller is going to see a bump, and he was already third on the team in targets, Jason. So he's going to see even more. So yeah, Justin Watson, fringe guy, great. But Scotty Miller's guy you really want. But continuing with the Bucks receivers, Mike Evans had a disappointing debut with Tom Brady. Bruce Arians has actually taken the blame for that. He admits that he was a bit conservative with Evans' usage downfield. Ended up catching one for four targets for a seven-yard score. Evans says he's over his hamstring, though, and he's going to be used deep. I'm expecting a big game from Evans against a leaky Panthers secondary. Yeah, I agree with that. And plus, uh, oh, before we move on, also make sure to, you know, the two – tight ends on the Buccaneers could be good plays. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? OJ Howard and Cameron Brait, those two guys, maybe not in your shallow leagues, but deep leagues, they're worth consideration. I think, do you agree? You're no, so close. No, you're so close. No. Howard. Yes. He had more targets, but of the list, I mean, man, Brait was at the bottom, unfortunately of targets last week. So I, I guess yeah. get out, get out of here with Cameron Brait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought those are the two tight ends on that team, right? Yeah, I guess there's oh. some guy named Gronk there, but I, I don't know how that works out. Oh, yeah. I forgot, sorry about that. forgot about that. Blah. Anyways, Kenny Galladay is officially out with lingering hamstring injury. Very disappointing. Jason, what do you think is going to happen in Detroit? Man, I'm going to risk it again and say you have to play Marvin Jones this week. And even if you're looking for a fill-in, TJ Hawkinson might be the guy that takes more targets. So just something to keep an eye on if you need tight end help. Yeah, and I'm really against playing the uh, Lions running backs for a few reasons, just because it's a committee. I know Peterson looked like he he's back to his former self, but I think that was kind of a, you know, a one-off. You might have a game here and there. And then DeAndre Swift, I don't think, was utilized as much to really consider him. And Carrion Johnson, I guess, is dead. But this game really feels like a Matt Stafford 65-plus attempts game, you know, with the Lions' three best corners being out. I think Okuda... Might not be hurt, but he's definitely being limited in his snaps. So Aaron Rodgers is going to feast, and I think Matt Stafford is going to have to throw just as much to keep up. Yeah, and that's exactly why, like both of you, I am in on Marvin Jones as well. But a player we cannot be in on this week, A.J. Brown is officially out with a bone bruise in his knee. Corey Davis had a full practice today after dealing with a hamstring injury all week. But what does that mean, Jason? That means you fire up Johnny Smith. Woo! Henry. And Adam Humphreys. Let's go. Wait, wait. What? Why? Why? Why Adam Humphreys? He oh. he saw the next targets, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting in on Corey Davis. You can't trick me again. Uh-uh. Uh, we're, we're not going in on Humphreys either. We're going Jonu and Henry. Um, um, all what right. about uh, Khalif Raymond? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not Khalif Raymond since we're just throwing nonsense out there? Thank you, Jordan. Anyways, moving off of that, because that was embarrassing. Jamison Crowder officially out with a hamstring injury. Denzel Mims also placed on IR earlier this week, which means Prashad Perriman will be the wide receiver one in name. But Sam Darnold is going to have his lunch eaten again, over and over again by the San Francisco D-line. Chris Herndon is the only viable option in this offense. It's only because Darnold's going to be dumping it off as he's hit. You're so close, man. I think Perriman has a shot here, and you love to see it. All right. Anyways, I, I don't know. Perriman, I do like Perriman long-term, but not this week against that pass rush. Moving on to the questionable slash limited side of things, Devontae Parker is a true game-time decision with a hamstring. Meanwhile, teammate Jakeem Grant was removed from the uh, injury report with his calf issue. Brandon Cooks is questionable. He's still got that quad. Limited to 53% of snaps in week or and two receptions for 20 yards in week one. Golden Tate also remains limited with a question or with a hamstring. Limited practice on Friday. Game time decision. So once again, we're firing up Darius Slayton. You'll regret it if you sit him. And at nonsense underscore Steve will laugh at you. Otherwise, Henry Ruggs is giving me a hecking concern. Didn't practice Thursday or Friday with a knee injury. And finally, Cortland Sutton is yeah, he's expected to play or he's expected to come back, but I really don't think he does. It's just all up in the air. So out of these guys, is there anyone that you are playing, Jason? I Because of the defense, I think you have to go Judy here, and I think he has some great work, and his feet is going to be able to do just enough, and the target share he had last week was pretty impressive. I'm happy with it. I'll also add in that I think Noah Fanton did enough to warrant uh, starting consideration. I know that they're playing Pittsburgh and Evan Ingram put up a dud, but I think that Fant does a lot for that offense, and I think that he'll see his targets, especially with Cortland Sutton out. So I would I would start him, but you know temper your expectations for sure. Yeah, he, they also controlled Caden Smith, so that was my only issue with Fan as well. Kate, you're citing Caden Smith as a reason to not like Noah Fant. Well, he already, runs a, he already told Ingram, so I figured I'd include Caden Smith. I runs like a 5-2-40. No. All right. Anyways, full go, removed from the injury report. Mari Cooper had that ankle injury, but he's full go. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't practice Wednesday with the knee. Neither did Deontay Johnson with the toe. Both returned, full practice Thursday, Friday, full go. Michael Williams says that he's full go after the separated shoulder. He said he didn't re-aggravate it at all. Happy to hear that. Brandon Ayuk also practicing in full. Good news because moving to tight end, we are going to be missing George Kittle. Battling a knee injury and is officially out, which makes Jordan Reed really interesting. I mean, you mean that Jordan Reed? Yeah, that, that Jordan Reed. That exact one. Like, he's still relevant in 2020. So I don't know about that. And I don't know about what's going on in Indy too, because Jack Doyle is officially out with an ankle injury. And the coaches say it's too early to tell if this is a multi-week injury or not. So who are we looking at in Indy? I know you're big on Phil Rivers, Jason. Yeah, and it's going to be Mo Alley-Cox, man. He is the only tight end weapon that I would even consider in this offense at this point. So ugh, definitely not what you want, but if you must, I guess deep leagues go for it. I, I thought you loved him. Why are you? Why are you shuddering at him? You get you start heaping him up. We finally give you the chance to go wheels up on Mo Ali Cox, and then you hedge. So disappointed, well, Jason. I'm just so nervous about how they're going to play, and I want to make sure that last week wasn't a fluke. I mean, if they're going to feature Campbell that much, it has me worried. And if they're going to use Hines, it's the same thing. Both those players are ex very exceptional players. So it's one of those things that. I want to see if it was game script or if it's because everything messed up and they need to just go. 
Rivers reverting back to his old self. Okay, I do understand that. But on the bright side, I, sorry, it's unfortunate to say on the bright side. However, on Mo Cox getting more target side, Michael Pittman had an incident with his toe. I'm not too sure what that means. So he's questionable right now. And Zach Pascal also mispracticed Wednesday with a knee, although it does seem like he's fine. So outside of Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton, it could be Mo Cox along with those running backs. Interesting storyline to follow. Jared Everett is questionable with a back injury, but Sean McVay is confident that he will play on Sunday. More questions for Tyler Higby, who was invisible last week. Finally, we go to tight end fullback, wasted Packers pick, Josiah DeGuara. Missed Thursday, missed Friday with shin and ankle injuries, and he's likely to miss Sunday as well. So that means we're not going to see the Packers' first-round pick play because they're not going to play Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to see their second-round pick play because they're not going to play A.J. Dillon over Aaron Jones. And we're not going to see their third-round pick play because Josiah DeGuara is injured. What a great draft by Green Bay. Anyways, it's Jason's turn to take over because I need to stop myself from trashing Green Bay too much. It's Jason's question corner. Woo-hoo. Okay, so got some questions from the Fantasy Life app. If you guys aren't on it, you need to be. So Splinter211 asked, who would we rather have, Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown? Let's hear it. Jordan, do you want to answer that one first? Because I'm scared of answering this. Yeah, neither of them really make me excited. I feel like Malcolm Brown, at least Malcolm Brown, he uh, got two touchdowns in the, in the red zone. So I, I would consider him. I would want him now, but Akers long-term. But like I said, I really want both. I, I, I would rather want Akers if I'm, if I'm speaking season long. But if you need some running back help, Malcolm Brown's the guy that you would consider starting at least. But I would sit back on Akers this, this week, season long, Akers, if you can catch my drift there. Yeah. Yeah, that, like that, you're completely right, and that's why it's so ugly. Is because I really truly believe that Cam Akers is the better running back, and I do believe he will take over this backfield. But Malcolm Brown was impressive, and you can't deny that. So he's earned more reps in this offense, and I do believe that he is the starter for at least now, and until he fails almost. So yeah, Malcolm Brown in the flex right now, but Cam Akers long term, I guess. And this is not a to advise you to start him, but I also want to see what's going to go on with Daryl Henderson. I like we all heard great things about him in camp. Obviously, he he hurt his hamstring before they actually started, so it kind of limited him in week one. But yeah, there's definitely room for him there. It's such a crowded backfield. I kind of avoided it this year just because it was so unknown. But yeah, like we said, we've kind of established uh, who we'd want here. Yeah, it's definitely Brown first, and then Acres for a longer period of time. But again, we have to wait and see with Henderson coming back. I agree completely here. So. Champ Actor asks, do we hold Michael Thomas or are we trying to trade him? If so, what are you expecting back? So right now I would hold him because this is kind of like his low point in value. You can't get any worse value for him right now because he's out indefinitely. We don't know when he's coming back. Once he starts to come get closer, the reports are like, yeah, Michael Thomas is practicing. He's looking really good. That's when I'm going to want to trade him. And the problem with high ankle sprains is they just sap you of the explosiveness like we talked about earlier. It's not just a pain tolerance issue either, like a lot of other injuries. So we have structural damage that alters your complete lower chain and how you run and everything, how you push off. So like, if anyone can power through that, it's Michael Thomas. But we've seen it with these guys like Kamara, like Saquon, that they're just different players after it. And so I really am not confident with Michael Thomas even once he comes back. Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, it's one of those things you have to hold him at this point and just hope for the best because 
you're going to get low ball offers and I'm not taking them. So next guy, Ride of the Tiger asks, should we be worried about Joe Mixon and DJ Moore? We kind of touched on it, but what do you got, Jack? Mixon, yeah, we covered earlier. And yes, you, sh- you should be worried about him. If you drafted him to be your bell cow, you did not draft him to play six more snaps than Gio Bernard. How about you, Jordan? What do you got? Oh, the touch on DJ Moore. I, it's it's one week. I wouldn't be too worried about uh, his uh, his performance. Uh, I wait to see how he plays against the Bucs. The Bucs seem to have a better secondary. They kept Michael Thomas in check for most of the game, or I guess all the game based on his standards. But I wouldn't be worried just yet. I, I still have uh, high hopes for that Carolina offense, especially with a really, you know, lower league defense. They must be, they'll probably be catching up a lot. Like, look what Robbie Anderson did. That could be DJ Moore one of these games. You never know. Yeah. And again, I think these are both players that are going to have down weeks. So they're people I am fading. But at that same point, they're good by low candidates. So something to keep in mind. Uh, next one was Will David Montgomery ever become an RB2? Well, so. Yeah, because he already was one, so that doesn't really make sense. 16 games last year, David Montgomery was the RB24. That's the last RB2, but it's still the RB and RB2. And RB2 is not actually that hard to pull off. Devonta Freeman was an RB2 last year. RB20, 14 games, and he didn't feel good about that. So, yeah, I totally believe he can be an RB2, but I don't believe I'm ever going to be excited about David Montgomery until they get a new offensive line and a new quarterback. Should have signed Cam. I personally like David Montgomery. It might be a little biased just because I think the opportunity is there. I know that he didn't get that many carries, but I think that had a lot to do with him, you know, getting back into football shape. You know, he came off that groin injury. I don't really believe in the Cordero Patterson experiment. I think he's just in there for gadget plays or just the occasional run. I do think he has the opportunity to end his RB2, depending on how the year goes. But I think his offense is holding him back rather than his own ability to run the ball. And the other alternatives will scare me. Terry Cohen is going to, he'll get more of the receptions out of the back. He'll get a few carries. And P- Ryan Nall, please, come on. Yeah, and again, I agree. I think this guy is somebody you drafted to be an RB2, and I think it's going to happen, so I wouldn't worry about it too much yet. Moving on, Alderain45 asked, should they panic or chill when it comes to Tom Brady? How many years in a row has that question been asked? Like, he's, It's the first time he's been in a new offense in 20 years, so let's chill on that. But how many years in a row have we wondered, oh, is this the time that Tom Brady declines? No, like let's, let's just wait. It's week one. Let's calm down. Yeah, exactly what Jack said. I know that Godwin not being there isn't going to help, but he does have an enticing matchup against the Panthers and could be the cure that just that ails him. So, yeah, play Brady with confidence this week. I know I am. Yeah, and again, the dude arm looked great last week, so just something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I agree. Tom Brady still go for me. So we got a few questions from Miles. You want to know about the different backfields? So we'll start off with last week's biggest conundrum in the Steelers. Do we want either or any of the RBs there? Yeah, we want Benny Snell. We don't want James Conner. We already established that. Make sure to stash Anthony McFarland if he's still available in your waiver wire, because it'll be interesting where he fits into this offense. I'm just a little scared that they're going to try and feature James Conner more than they really should, but we'll see. Yeah, and we kind of touched on it earlier, but what do we think about the Jets' backfield? Do we want any of the RBs there, or is it the same as what's going on in the Rams' backfield? I don't know. What do you guys think? Here? No, I, I, I know. I absolutely know. The Jets' offense stinks, and without Bell, the running backs also stink. So we don't want bad backs, and we don't want bad offenses. Jason, why are you trying to bring up Kalen Balazs again? You're just trying to make me angry. Yeah, I get it. But it's just Adam Gase, and every time I hear his name, I just get so frustrated. So, ugh, whatever. Yeah, so 
we're, we're just done with that. We're not talking about Kalen Balazs. We're not talking about the Jets. We're going to move on and let's just take a break. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to have some tea and let's kick it to us, actually. Let's take a break. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Night Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And we're back. And I'm calm for now. But it's time for Jason's Truster Bus, so be wary, my friends. Take it away, Jason. Okay, we're starting off with QBs like normal, so uh, I'm going to lead off with Cam Newton here. Going against the Seahawks, who gave up 450 yards and three touchdowns. Granted, it was to Matt Ryan in the Falcons, a much more explosive offense than what we've seen from New England, but just something I'm looking at. And again, that run game for the Patriots just make me think that they have to throw. The only person who's really going to be rushing is Cam Newton. I mean, Edelman and Harry could put in some work, but it just really makes me happy to see that Cam is able to rush for those touchdowns. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one in here. Yep. We, we're, we're trusting Cam every damn week so if Nikhil Harry doesn't fumble on the one yard line and if Julian Edelman doesn't drop a wide open first down Patriots go from 21 points to 31 or 34 points and I really don't think we're appreciating just how good this Patriots offense is with Cam Newton and I don't think we appreciate the fact that three different receivers caught nine passes for over 100 yards against the Seahawks last week so this is a bad defense and a great offense yeah and I'm pretty pumped for it speaking of 
great offensive. Jared Goff is going against a bad secondary. And while I do worry for Robert Woods, who I think will potentially get Slay, that leaves Cup wide open. They also have Jefferson there, Higby, and Akers to pass to. Like, these are all great options, as well as Brown, who seems to be doing that nice, steady push the line. And it's an Eagles O-line that has just looked so bad. If that's how they're going to play, I could see the Rams just blowing them out and being able to run the ball towards the end of the game. So, Jason, you, you did try this last week, and I did get on board, but I finished as the QB 29 last week, and now you want to trust him again? No, no, we're not doing that. Also, this isn't a bad secondary. Dwayne Haskins was a QB 27 last week. They completely redid their secondary over the offseason. No, it's not the same. Darius Slay is great. They Will Parts is great. I, no, I don't co-sign this. this is, I'm never going to trust Jared Goff again. He is bad at playing quarterback in the NFL. Jordan, settle this tie. I'm going to have to go with Jack. I just, I'm not the biggest Jared Goff fan. I don't think he'll do terribly. Like, if you don't really have a better option, play Goff, like, I guess. But that's not something, like, I would be excited about going into the week. Like, oh, I got Jared Goff playing a quarterback. My team is on fire. So, you know, <sighs> No, I, I can't. I can't get on the the Jared Goff bandwagon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jason. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. We'll go to the bust who is on the other side of the ball in Carson Wentz because wow, that O line was scary last week. It had me so nervous. I don't know if he's going to survive. I'm hoping that the people that were hurt come back. So, yikes. I think Lane Johnson's yeah. supposed to be uh, back next week, so there's some help. Like, well, I shouldn't say some help. Lane Johnson is is a really good player. And that's good for Miles Sanders as well. But I also am kind of down on Carson Wentz. I agree with you here. Uh, yet, like I said in my article this week, if you have Carson Wentz, you probably don't have another alternative. So you might have to go with him. But, you know, temper your expectations for sure. Hashtag yeah. shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug, and I am also out on Carson Wentz. Let's move Perfect. on to running back. All right. So, shocking. I'm going to go with Ronald Jones here for my trust. The Raiders and Josh Jacobs went for 25 carries, 93 yards, three touchdowns. Jacobs also had four receptions for 46 yards on six targets. Like, Jones had 17 carries last week against a good Saints defense and put up 66 yards. Pretty impressive for him. He also had two Who receptions. wasn't? That wasn't impressive? For him, it was. Against it was a terrible. Good, that Saints run defense is not something to play around with. He should have a great day, and if he gets the same amount of work, he is going to be awesome. But he's not going to get the same amount of work. They got Fournette that they're phasing it. This no, Ronald Jones isn't good. We're not trusting Ronald Jones. Jason, you're usually good at this. I yeah. have two uh, two things as well. One, the Buccaneers O line is definitely not as good as the Oakland O line. And two, Josh Jacobs is definitely so much better at football than Ronald Jones. So those are my two biggest points. Ronald Jones for me, eh? I kind of agree with Jack as well. They're they're starting to phase in Fournette, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. But so next player is Naheem Hines, seeing a majority of the pass catching work. And again, Minnesota allowed 25 carries for to the RBs for 101 yards and a touchdown, eight receptions and 31 yards. I think Hines' skill set is a lot better than Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in the pass catching game. So he should be a solid play. My only worry is if that was due to the game script and if it was Mac being out that causes Rivers to do his own thing and fall back into what he's used to doing. So once again, Jason is trying to hype up a Honda Civic that's in his driveway while the Ferrari sits in his garage. I can get behind it, but Jonathan Taylor's the real play. 
Don't worry, Jason. I drive a Honda Civic, but I will admit that I don't have a Jonathan Taylor sitting in my garage. I like Himes this week, though. Perfect. So, next guy is David Montgomery. Being the lead back, going against the Giants, seemed to give me hope. Benny Snell had 19 carries for 113 yards in week one. If Montgomery is healthy and gets a majority of the work, he should be able to get over 100 yards and a touchdown. Am I wrong here? Yeah, actually, you're very wrong. Bears offense is terrible. Well, let's just hope they give uh, the Trubisky gives him a sizable lead. I know that's a joke, but yeah, I I, I would don't think he's gonna go for 100 yards. Oh, just mean. I really hope so, but yep. So moving into Buzz, we have Melvin Gordon going against the Steelers defense that just suffocated Saquon Barkley. He had 15 carries for six yards. Luckily, he had some receptions. He had six receptions for six yards. Very few other weapons. I could see the Steelers defense dominating yet again. Yeah, big bust there. Move on from that. I, we're, nothing about Melvin Gordon's attractive this week. I know we did say he's a bell cow, but no. Play Royce Freeman instead. <laughs> Again, we're talking about it. James Conner, if he plays, which he is, I think he will split carries and not somebody I'm touching. Yeah, agree. He's not good, so auto bust. Never playing him. All right, moving on to wide receivers, I have a trust in John Brown. Since he is cleared, theoretically, I'm hoping to see him. He should get the worst coverage with Diggs being there allowing him to take the top off the Dolphins defense. And with how good Allen looked in game one, I think this could be more of the same. I would not be surprised to see him go even higher in his points this week. Yeah, I, I quite like John Brown. And like you can remove the if healthy caveats because he is healthy. So yeah, giddy up on that. Diggs is going to get the attention from Byron Jones. And last time that John Brown faced this team, nine receptions, 137 yards, two scores in week 11. So yeah, Jason, you've redeemed yourself. Good job. You're back on your game. All right. My favorite player, because I can't help but be a Rivers fan, is because Paris Campbell is an awesome player, and he plays in the slot, which seems to be where Rivers likes to go. While the team did lose Mac, I want to see this happen again. If he continues to get the majority of Rivers' passes, I think he's an option. Also an awesome option. Wow, these words are hard today. But Rivers trusted him enough to lean on him and I think his value just goes up from here. I completely agree with you. And, you know, you call yourself crazy when you say rational things, but then you think you're great when you're spouting nonsense about Jared Goff being a start-worthy candidate. So that's the stuff that makes you crazy. Paris Campbell is the wide receiver one in Indy. That's not a question. Yeah, and moving into bus, I'm, this is definitely going to be where you call me crazy because the Colts have a def- decent defense who last week told Minshew to beat them with someone else outside of the leading receiver in shark. He went three for 25 and a touchdown in the first quarter. He was able to do it, but I would be worried for cousins to be able to do the same thing with Thielen. See, I disagree, but I think your point is sound. So Gardner Minshew went away from shark when shark was smothered. That's because he had LaVisca and he had Keelan Cole and rest of the offense in Minnesota. Not so much. It's really just Adam Thielen there. So He's going to get fed, and I will say Justin Jefferson's a sneaky Paris Campbell-type breakout candidate. But yeah, I disagree. I'm still going to start feeling. Jordan? Yeah, and just to re-up on your point, I, I totally agree. I think this game could be a shootout as well. I just think that Thielen's going to get force-fed. And that Justin Jefferson, you're right, does have a really really good upside in this game. Well, you guys missed out because Minshew doesn't have a backfield to throw to. They have Cook, so just something that keeps me even lower on Thielen again. So, all right, all right. Give us your final bus candidate, Jason. All right, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. I think he's going to see Stefan Gilmore, who is a tough matchup. Could he potentially find the end zone? 
Sure, but it's going to be a rough week for him going up against one of the best corners in the league. Yeah, look at you using your head, Jason. You're actually using matchup charts. and Wow, so yeah, Gilmore is going to be on Metcalf. That's the physical battle, and that's the way the Patriots do. They want that big, strong matchup. While as the McCourty twins, they always go for the shifty guy. So look at you. You have completely rebounded from a rough start to start set. Hey, if it works, I got to go with it, right? Yeah, it, it worked. I am impressed. So you, you managed to save yourself. So thank you so much for that, Jason. It has been an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, and make sure you guys follow Jason over at that FF nerd because he is your top resource for start sits. Guy probably answers like 10,000 questions a week about start sits. So thank you so much for that, Jason. Any parting words for all of your fans out there? Nah, man, I'm just so excited to watch football. I'm glad it's going on, and I just hope everybody's staying healthy. Uh, wise words from Jason. Stay safe, everyone out there. Once again, you can find him everywhere at that FF nerd. And as well, Jordan, absolutely fantastic guest. You were an absolute delight. You kept Jason in line for the most part. So do you have any parting words for all the fans you've won over being able to handle Jason so well? Yeah, please make sure to follow me on Twitter at Donald McJordan and uh, tweet at me, hashtag free Royce Freeman, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Jordan. And remember, you can find him everywhere at Donald McJordan. So be sure to follow along with all the fantastic content he and Jason and the rest of the important nonsensers have been pumping out on a weekly basis over at importantnonsense.com and all the socials at nonsenseff. I have been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it has been an absolute treat for me. And if it's been as much of a treat for you as it has been for me, please go ahead, give us that subscribe, give us that five-star rating. And if it wasn't fun for you, just remember you can tweet Jason and give him each and every single one of your critiques. And then you can come back and join myself, Nee Wallace-Bruce, and Dr. John Chansey on the Monday morning week two recap. But most importantly, enjoy week two, and don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Don't at me. That's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!